Well, a good Thursday to you. It's May 26th. Jespo and Infamous with you. And we have very different breakfast things going on right now. Please don't do this. <laughs> I have the... Uh, I knew you were going to bring this up. Fresh strawberry cheese... <sighs> uh, what are these called again? I don't know. It looks delicious. Ah, dang it. I blew it. Pastry. One minute. Yeah, it's a pastry. Thanks, pal. It's uh, some sort. It's not a scone. It's like a... Uh, it's a roll of some sort. Jelly uh, inside. Whatever it is. Delicious. It's fresh from the freezer. What a, what a sell job on my part. Great job. <laughs> I would imagine that... Can Friesen, retired? Friesen Brothers is going to be calling us today to renew the sponsorship. They're going to say, based <laughs> on your incredible presentation... <laughs> Just really nailing the details on that pastry. But I've got this strawberry cheese pastry that's fantastic. Looks incredible. Uh, and you, meantime. Please don't. Are crushing. Please don't. What are the, what's it called again? Is there, do you, Did you go name brand or off brand <clears throat> with, your, with your soup this morning? So I, I never eat in the morning. Uh-huh. I, I noticed that. I was hungry was... today. Looked in my bag. I've got some nuts. Oh, there's a Mr. Noodles in here. <laughs> I just crushed a Mr. Noodles. You did. At 8.20 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. No, like you're done at 8.20 a.m. You were getting it ready at quarter to 8 a.m. I don't know if you, I wonder if you are the only person that was crushing them. You're probably not. You'll probably find, ah, I already see the answers are coming in. And Shalane is going to win two points. No, it's not a Danish. Shalane is 100% correct. It is a strudel. That is a strudel. And so uh, Shalane, that's two (laughs) points for you. Uh, on the Real Talk scoreboard, it is a strawberry cheese strudel. But I'm going to give the Mr. Noodles at 7:45 this morning the the stick tap. You really nailed it. Are you? I'm sort sorry, of, I fell asleep. You're sort of uh, I fell asleep. You're carbo loading before the big game tonight. The Battle of Alberta. <laughs> the Oilers can win this one. You know, down five, and uh, or what am I talking about? Game five. Uh, the Flames down three one. It's not all about hockey, but coming up a little bit later on in this show, we are going to get into the results of our Y Station Get Real Question of the Week. This past week, we asked you about your hockey allegiances and who you're cheering for and what kind of a fan you are. And we just wanted to change it up a little bit. We wanted to have a little bit of fun. And we're we're changing things up a little bit with the way that the show's starting today, too. Yesterday was heavy because it needs to be because it's real life uh, because a gunman entered an elementary school and 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 shocked the nation. Uh, do I say that? Was it a shock? I don't mean to be irreverent. Maybe it wasn't a shock. Maybe that's the worst part about it. Uh, but we're talking about the deaths of, of uh, almost 20 children. And and I don't know about you, but after I hear about that, I saw somebody left a comment on the show. Maybe it was on Twitter and somebody said, oh, I see today's show is heavy. They said, OK, I'll get ready and then I'm going to stream it. And I kind of went, yeah, I get it, because some mornings you feel like you got to kind of I don't know what you do. You put on your armor a little bit, your emotional armor. You kind of buckle up and get ready for it because, you know, we're going to talk about some heavy stuff. And then we're going to. Uh, well, today we want to change it up a little bit and talk about something kind of neat and, and something a little bit different. Uh, but because it's real life, there is a bit of a gut punch that comes with it. Jess Sedlowski with the details on that in just a little bit. We're going to talk about hydrogen and clean tech and fuel cell technology and the future of Canadian energy and some really neat, uh, innovative type stuff coming up in, in under 10 minutes with Matthew Klippenstein from the Canadian Hydrogen and Fuel Cell Association. And then former Grand Chief of Treaty 6, he was the youngest chief ever elected uh, for Enoch Cree Nation. He, he, he retains that honor. He was 27 years old when he was first elected in 2015. Chief Billy Morin will wrap up the show today. That's coming up in just about a half hour, maybe 35 minutes time from right now. This show is presented every morning from our friends, uh, by our friends at Bitcoin Well. And, you know, Bitcoin comes with its ups and downs, uh, just like a lot of other things, including the stock market. Lately, tech stocks have been all over the place, too. And people are going, is there a direct line here? Can I draw a direct line or is 
Or is that sort of like bad commentary? Is that commentary missing the mark? I'm trying to make sense of this cryptocurrency landscape. And whenever I have questions, I ask Benny at Bitcoin. Well, I recommend you do the same. You can find him and their team under the sponsors tab on our website, RyanJesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Already got a lot of people chiming in on the live chat here. It's great to see. And of course, you know, you can hit us up on our hashtag Real Talk RJ anytime. We spend a lot of time on Twitter. We spend a lot of time on social media. Uh, that's when I first noticed this project undertaken by our leadoff guest this morning, Jess Sidlowski, joining us this morning live from central Alberta, uh, where he established a, a, uh, a nest cam of sorts outside his home. They found a, a robin had had constructed a nest just under one of the surveillance cameras at their home. And so he started this hashtag Robin Watch 22. He's not the first to do it, uh, but a whole bunch of people started paying attention right away because what a cool thing to see. And well, the story developed from there. Just joining us this morning, my friend, thanks for making time for us. Uh, how are things shaking in your world? What's going on? Oh, not too too bad this morning. It's finally nice and warm in central Alberta. So, yeah. um, you know, you know, I got to say, Ryan, though, it was painful watching you figure out what a strudel was oh uh, before the show started. The, and you Can know what? It's tell? not like, like, trust me, like I have a lot of experience with strudels. <laughs> that was bad. It was bad. But <laughs> and I didn't know it either. Jess, have you ever been, you've been to like a, a wedding reception or something, and then you go to introduce somebody you know really well to somebody you know moderately well, and then just draw a blank on their name, even though you've talked to them 10 times. That's what happened with me in the strudel. Yeah, Ryan, um, I'll, I'll help you out this morning. I did MC a wedding a few years ago, and I actually screwed up on the bride's name. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, screwing up on the bride's name at the reception, um, slightly ahead of blowing the strudel uh, description <laughs> for a longtime paid sponsor of the program. Right up there, both of them on the A list, Jess. So I can we can commiserate together. Hey, are you coming? To, are you li- are you right in the city of Red Deer this morning? Where are you at exactly? Or more more importantly, where where was this nest? Where, where are we talking about? Let's localize the story. Yeah, right, uh, right in the center of Red Deer. Actually, that's where I live. Um, so it's a beautiful, mature neighborhood. Uh, you know, in the forested part of the center of the city. So we get all kinds of wildlife. We get frequent moose and deer and uh, more skunks than we would like. And uh, of course, all the birds. Did you ever have you ever put out a skunk trap before? Have You ever done that? Um, no, fortunately, uh, the skunks just walk past the house. We, we don't have a problem with them in the yard. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, I, I grew up with that. We grew up in a really neat part of Calgary, but it meant a lot of skunks and the skunks were like burrowing in or whatever you'd call it. They were making their home yeah. under our porch. And so we got one of those traps. And as a child, it was very fascinating to understand how that was supposed to work. But, but I digress. We're not talking skunks today. We're talking Robins. Uh, so you, you, you put it out to the World Wide Web. You said, listen, we've, we've caught this on our surveillance camera, on our security camera at the house. This Robins building in us. Who would like to see it? You established the hashtag RobinWatch22. And then all of a sudden you had thousands. In fact, on your videos, you had tens of thousands of people watching. And at this point, you're thinking this has an opportunity to be something really special, including for your your little three year old Oakland. Yeah, that's right. I, I the opportunity was easy and, and I, I'm already a social person in my career and in my personal life. And I thought, well, hey, this is pretty cool. I mean, I never thought I would be on Real Talk, Ryan, uh, talking about a Robin. But here we are. Here we are. And, and I was one of those that was following along. 
and um, people are expecting a plot twist, and and it's <laughs> and it's coming. I yeah. know. Uh, and so then all of a sudden, uh, there, there's there's one egg, right? And and I I was paying attention. So the the uh, nest is built. You you establish. You find it on your porch cam on May 10th, about two weeks ago. May 18th, you see the first egg, and then and then by the time that May 22nd hits, you've got four in there. And what's the mood in the household? And what's the mood? on the internet what are people on twitter saying to you oh it, it just went it went it's super cool we had teachers from all over north america having their classes involved with guessing how many eggs she was gonna lay uh, a lot of birds oh there you go so you're you're breaking the scene there um but we had people wanting to guess how many eggs people were very excited uh following along thousands of uh followers for this uh robin watch so it was it was cool to unfold we got four eggs and we were very excited then to watch the journey from uh laying to hatching which as you just saw did not happen yeah so we've got folks like lauren who who, who, lauren doesn't see the train coming right now and i apologize lauren says i can't wait until they break out of their shells and start tweeting on twitter which is a great twitter joke from lauren (laughs) uh but then all of a sudden just uh something goes down like just a couple of days ago and uh you check the nest again you check the camera again i know you were working hard you guys were going in the side door of the house you were trying to avoid disturbing the nest you were trying to avoid disturbing the mama uh but you made kind of a grisly discovery a couple of days ago what did you find yeah we you're right we blocked off the entire porch uh we redirected the mail i uninstalled the mailbox and moved it to the side of my house uh you know, anything for the children. And uh, we really took it to the next level. The day we returned from our camping trip on May long, um, we don't go there. So I checked the video cameras right away to find out a crow, a hungry crow, more or less swallowed the eggs in in whole. So you're watching this and I, and I was reading the comments. I was one of those that was following it and, and people felt this loss personally, like people were sort of emotionally invested in this. How did you explain it to your three-year-old? Uh, you know, he, 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 we've always been pretty real with him. So there was no sugarcoating it. Um, you know, his lip quivered a little bit and, and before the tears came, you know, he did acknowledge that it was uh, very sad and he was really disappointed to, to not see the eggs anymore. But, um, we're a family that happens to like crows and, and all kinds of wildlife. So he understood that that's just part of, uh, the animal kingdom and and he got over it pretty quickly which was surprising to me he got over it quicker than most of my twitter followers based on the comments yeah so. and you know what was really fascinating in your twitter comments was was people weren't hating on the crow like there, a lot of people were like i love crows crows are amazing but this one was tough to watch it, it was kind of an interesting exercise to read through how people were processing it yeah and and you're you're right i don't think people I think most people maybe acknowledged or expected this could happen. I prefaced it at the very start saying we do have a lot of crows in our neighborhood and, and uh, we're not going to interfere. I made that uh, a mandate from the start. We're not going to touch the nest. We're not going to chase the crows away. I mean, I don't have time for that anyways, but we just weren't going to interfere with the process. I'm just like Johnny's folks that are listening to this on the podcast. That'll be most of them. But this is almost when you got to watch on YouTube because we're watching the video and watching. It's it's like killer cam, like watching that crow roll. And I have very mixed feelings. It's nature. It's, it's, it's that's what I was just going to say is, it, you know, like it's the natural chain of events in the universe, but it's still hard to watch. It is tough to watch. So, just what did you what did you take from all this? You, you've had a couple of days to to think about it. Do, do you have a, a profound something you're going to walk away with? 
Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think Ryan, yesterday your show was heavy and, and rightfully so. Um, and we live in a heavy world at times and, you know, things like politics in Alberta um, or anywhere, I guess, and, and what happens south of the border. And it's really easy to see the vitriol and division on social media, particularly Twitter, I find. Um, so what I took away from this is there is this real craving out there for people to want to focus on something as simple as a Robin. Um, personally, I, I didn't think it would, you know, be as engaging as it was, but it was just proof that I think everyone out there is, they just need a break sometimes and they just need something different. And I was so happy to be to do that and, and see the reactions from the followers all over North America, you know, providing them something different. That's my biggest takeaway. And I think it's, you know, going to be a commitment to how I run my social media. I'm going to try to find opportunities like that and, and share some of the easier side of life uh, so people can get a little break at times. So mm-hmm. that was a very cool takeaway. I love that you did it. And we were going to invite you to come on anyway. I mean, we we're going to have like four little Robins chirping in the nest. And then I thought, you know, no, it's real. We're going to bring him on to talk about this and see what he takes from it. Uh, Jess, I know you've got to get moving. Hey, just, just a real quick question. When you, when you went to relocate your mailbox, um, where did you go to get the hardware and everything else you might need to do quick little jobs around the house? Well, hey, the same place I get my bird seed. Um, that would be PV Mart, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, the best place to go for retail in the province. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jess Sidlowski, obviously a retail executive at PV Mart and a good friend of this show, Real Talk. Hey, buddy, it's good to see your face. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. Have a great day, guys. Yeah, you got it, buddy. Good stuff. Robin Watch 22. You can Google it. You can check out the hashtag. It's a bit of a gut punch, isn't it? Real talkers. But at the same time, I went, you know, it's real. And we were going to obviously have it. I was thinking, because I don't know what the gestation. Do you say gestation when they're in eggs? I should know this answer. Sorry. I'll go to After biologist. After the strudel debacle, I'm just going to be <laughs> quiet. But I was like, I because I sort of thought I was envisioning it for positive reflections presented by Kubi Energy on Monday. But but uh, we just never got it there. But hey, it's it's real talk. It's real life. We're going to talk incubation. hydrogen and the incubation. What's the incubation period uh, for a robin's egg? What do you think it is? It's got to be like a couple weeks or something like that. A few weeks. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously not. Robin egg Obviously incubation. Not quick enough. Incubation time. Uh, they say, uh, yeah, yeah, 12 to 14 days. An incubation, 12 to 14 days, two weeks from the time the last egg is laid. Wow, that's fast. Isn't that amazing stuff? Not quick enough. Yeah. Oh, man, that, that crow video. It was so video, hard to watch. The, I, and you wonder, it's it's like when you find out your garage has been broken in, and like your your chainsaw and your bike is gone, you're like, damn it. And you go back through your motion cameras, and then you see, there it is. There's the person using the crowbar on the door. Well, this, I would imagine they went back and found the. I like how you said crowbar. Oh, wow. This was the crow, yeah. Infamous just hitting them out of the park But I like, I like what Jess had to say, which, awesome original name, too. I, I wanted Jess? to ask him. Yeah, it's a great name. Why is, yeah parents named him that but uh, you wanted to ask him why his parents named him that was is it that, in, was that, it in jest yes oh, no geez. but like i think he's right like people just want to watch something calm and like natural and and it was amazing for people to like zone in on that and tune the world out yeah and then the real world smacks you in the, the real face. world 
inserted itself. People always they call those the timeline cleansers, right? Like yesterday, it was I saw somebody petting like a hedgehog or something. They're like, "Here's your timeline cleanse for the day." I thought that's pretty good. <laughs> hey, listen, if you like getting outside, if you want to get outside, Thursday, June twenty third, we want to remind you we present the inaugural Real Talk Golf Classic. It goes at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. You can go to our website ryanjesperson.com, click on events, and then the Real Talk Golf Classic, and that's where you'll find the link to sign up. We still have some foursomes available. Every single dollar that we raise at this golf tournament is going to fund the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship, which on an annual basis will provide a $5,000 cash prize for a post-secondary student who's lost a parent to cancer. You can read more about it online and register your team today at ryanjesperson.com. Just click on the events link. Again, it's Thursday, June 23rd at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. There's going to be a steak dinner. Johnny's going to be spinning the tunes on the golf course. We've got some amazing hole sponsors. Team at Dairy Queen is bringing Dilly Bar Shooters. What? Are you kidding me? Nope. The teams at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge are going to have a Jeep there ready to give it away to anybody that holes out on one of the hole-in-ones. we got two $20,000 cash prizes. We've got a whole bunch going on. It's a tournament you won't want to miss on Thursday, June 23rd. This is going to mess up my whole summer diet. Oh, yeah. Well, just wait till you see what Dilly Freezing Bar Brothers is bringing, and we got like food trucks out there, and it's going to be bananas. So a, I'm not going to throw a golf tournament and have it suck. Is there you a know place I mean? where I can nap uh, halfway through the day? Well, I mean, it sort of <laughs> depends on, you can sleep under the table, just put on Stairway to Heaven or something by yourself <laughs> like nine minutes. If you're heading out of town, I encourage you to leave your car. If you're flying out of Edmonton International Airport at Jet Set Airport Parking, and you save money by booking online at least 24 hours ahead of time, at their website, never been easier to use, jetsetparking.com. You just click on book your spot, and then you make sure that you, you click on the proper airport you'll be flying out of and make sure you use the promo code. You see, you can use that promo code right there. The promo code is Talk. It's going to get you $7 a day parking at Jetset Parking. You take a shuttle into the terminal, you take a shuttle back, you use your credit card to swipe out. It's super simple. It's what our family does when we hit the road. If you're looking for a fabulous strawberry cheese strudel or a croissant, a Danish, a cinnamon bun, sourdough bread, 12-grain bread, multi-grain bread, white bread, now you're an hot expert. dog buns, Kaiser buns. I mean, I can talk pastry and bakery items all day long. And sometimes that's how much time I spend in the Friesen Brothers Bakery. We prefer the South Edmonton location because it's closest to us, but we'll drive out to Fort Saskatchewan. We'll drive out to Stony Plain, and I always stop at the Friesen Brothers in Hinton. Those are just four of the 16 locations across the province of Alberta. Friesen Brothers for more than 65 years, Alberta-grown and Alberta-owned. And you know, I was going to lead into this ad break uh, with the Eden Landscaping mention because I sort of the, the, the robin's nest and the outdoor thing and the interaction between humans and wildlife, this drives their design process. It's been really neat to chat with Mike and his team over the last while. They've got this urban front yard butterfly approach. It's kind of a new style of design where they take uh, the more native grasses and plants, the ones you would have found here thousands of years ago. The ones the pollinators are looking for, in particular on these flowering bushes and trees. I'm getting already out of my depth, so I'm going to cap it right there. But they get you out of that mindset where all we do is just have these big lawns. The lawns that always need to be watered and mowed. And they start to look patchy and gnarly. And then you get dandelions and you're like, why are we even doing this? Go to landscapeedmonton.ca for some big ideas on how you can do your front yard 
differently today with Eden Landscaping. I love this email we get. You can get us anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. And, and we see a note from Matthew Klippenstein. And I'm going, is this the Matthew Klippenstein from the Canadian Hydrogen and Fuel Cell Association? Well, it turns out it was. Then he was listening to some of our political coverage. And he goes, you know, Jesperson, he said, I've been enjoying the show. He says, you're talking a lot about the present of Alberta. Alberta now, Canada's energy markets and political landscape now. He says, why don't we have a talk about tomorrow why don't we have a talk about the future all of this leading up uh, to the international hydrogen and fuel cell conference which will be hosted in alberta's capital city coming up in just a short while matthew klippenstein kind enough to join us this morning it's nice to see your face thanks for making time for us uh, thanks very much, Ryan. Uh, nice to see you as well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, people are going to go, okay, well, hang on a second. We hear a lot about energy futures and people pay close attention because, I mean, the reality is uh, energy is integral to Canada's economy, Alberta's economy, most especially. You know, you take a look at pipeline projects, you take a look at big investment into solar or wind farms, and people, you know, maybe lack a totally clear understanding over what's an experimental approach, what's a could-be type scenario, and what's inevitable right. so we probably right. as a general population don't know a ton about hydrogen can you get us up to speed sure i guess maybe just riffing off of the importance of energy in our modern life uh, so we all know we all learned in school the thing about humans need about two thousand calories of food per day and fair enough i eat a little bit more you could tell if i showed you my shoulders downwards <laughs> shoulders to hips um and then uh, the uh in Canada, if we take all the energy that we use, and then we go to uh, divide it by all the people, divide it on a per day basis, we use 250,000 calories per person per day. And 99% of that is the energy need we need for other stuff, you know, laptops, uh, you know, web fiber, cars, roads, buildings, and so forth. And so, yes, energy is absolutely crucial to the high standard of living that we have. Um, we need to get to a continue to have that high standard of living, preferably with uh, cleaner energy so we don't have any after effects, uh, any indigestion, if you will, in terms of the impacts on the earth. And hydrogen is a very big way that uh, in Alberta especially uh, we can help with that. I know you've, you've said uh, in presentations in past and in talking to people that Alberta needs to be Fuji, not Kodak. Uh, people will recognize the brand names, but yeah. have maybe a hard time pinning down exactly what that's supposed to mean. What do you mean by that? Sure. Okay. So um, uh, I, I'm a chemical engineer. I can do the math. You know, we will be using oil for many decades to come. Uh, there is a popular idea, at least in some areas, where uh, perhaps Alberta is going to, you know, going to have Kodak's future, where everything kind of implodes. Kodak got destroyed by digital cameras. Everyone knows that, but only a few people know that Fuji, Kodak's arch rival, thought to itself, well, what are we good at? We're, we're good at collagen. It's, it's a material in regular old school film. What's that used for? Cosmetics. Let's go into the cosmetics market. And so Fuji is still around today, still employing tens of thousands of people. They've branched out into cosmetics, also pharmaceuticals. Uh, and so in the same way, I don't think the future for Alberta is that, oh, no more oil, uh, the future for Alberta is we'll export energy just in different forms. We'll be able to use bitumen, for example, not just to use as a fuel, that's like selling a steer for ground beef, but rather you can use it as a carbon fiber material, you know, fancy, high-tech, high-value materials. You can use it as a starting ingredient for that. And so I think that's the real message that I'd like to bring, especially since uh, a lot of people 
beat up on Albertans. Uh, I have relatives in Alberta. Uh, and so rather the, the future is one of Fuji where Alberta can successfully pivot or transition whatever phrase you prefer and still continue to make use of its below ground resources, some above ground too, renewables, uh, and then continue to prosper. Who's who's it up to to make that pivot? Like when, when it comes to Fuji versus Kodak, it was obviously executive leadership or corporate leadership, right? It wasn't government factors at play. It wasn't maybe public pressure factoring into it. But when you're talking about energy transition, when you're talking about what drives an economy or what supports a transition, there is a certain government involvement, right? That seems to me to be inevitable, but not entirely, like corporations dictate their own futures as well. And we've seen big oil invest in renewables, which I think is a fascinating area of focus. So how would you assess where Alberta and where Canada is at with regards to taking those transitional opportunities seriously? Sure. So I'll start with Alberta. Alberta recently announced a hydrogen center of excellence. Uh, there's also an Alberta hydrogen roadmap. And what that is, is basically outlining, well, these are where we are strong. These are the skill sets we can use, the resources we can use. How can we use them to develop a hydrogen export industry? Most likely through BC, most likely in the short term as ammonia on rail cars. You know, all this stuff exists. Uh, and then how can we prosper and help Albertans uh, continue to, uh, you know, to do well, do better uh, financially? On the federal level, there is also a Canadian government, federal uh, interest in hydrogen. Some areas tend to like hydrogen made using renewables, fair enough. Some places have a very good advantage if they can generate hydrogen from existing hydrocarbons, you know, fossil fuels, if you will. Yeah, and, I've, and I, in reading up, uh, just sort of mentally preparing for this conversation, Matthew, I did notice that hydrogen is not without its critics. And, you know, you mentioned bitumen and carbon fiber, and we talked about that on this show, I don't know, maybe six months ago, maybe eight months ago, something like that. And, and it took me a little bit by surprise, some of the feedback, uh, pretty loud feedback following that interview, people suggesting our guest had been greenwashing uh, the idea of Alberta's energy future. Does, does hydrogen face some of the same criticism with regards to emissions through its process? And if so, how do you answer it? It does. So um, because hydrogen can be generated using uh, natural gas, using hydrocarbons, there are some uh, people, purists, who would uh, prefer to see hydrogen used only where necessary, only for renewables. That's a little bit of a simplistic sort of stereotyping view. Uh, the association has the view that as long as the hydrogen is, is low emissions, then that's fantastic. We want to grow that. Those kind, that kind of hydrogen and its products will be easier to export going forward, for example. When it comes to like applications for hydrogen and how this, this might mm -hmm. become relevant to somebody's everyday life, I mean, obviously, there's the idea of hydrogen powered vehicles as an example, right? Yeah. Can we talk about those? Can you take us into those? I mean, you know, the advent, it's been interesting to see the advent of EVs um, where maybe the odd time you might see a Tesla, you know, driving down the street. Now it seems more and more people are, are having yeah. those Tesla charging boxes installed into their personal homes, into their garages, yes. right? I mean, it's pretty mainstream now. With regards to hydrogen powered vehicles, what's, what's the reality and what's the future look like? So, so I was actually the first guy to start tracking EV sales in Canada about nine years ago or so. And what I'd say is that the world with hydrogen passenger vehicles is maybe 10 years behind where the, uh, where the battery electric vehicles were. Uh, one way to think, so there are some on the road, mind you. We do have more than 100 
uh, in Vancouver, for example, there's a courier company that started off with battery electric vehicles, and they switched over most of their fleet to hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, another zero emission technology that uses hydrogen, low emission hydrogen. Uh, and so um, one way to think of the way that batteries will exist and fuel cells, hydrogen fuel cells, uh, is to think of in nature like small animals. If you're small, if you're like an insect or a crab kind of a thing, uh, you can't beat an exoskeleton with a shell. There's certain advantages that you have. Uh, when you get to the bigger animals, then, uh, you know, cats, horses, hippos, whales, everything is a vertebrate, you know, like humans. The skeleton's on the inside. And so there's kind of a parallel where batteries are really well fitted for smaller vehicles, such as passenger vehicles. And then hydrogen fuel cells are expected to take the, the dominant chunk of larger things. Uh, leading into that, there is a uh, trial going on about to start uh, called the Azatec uh, trucking trial, where a bison, um, a couple of bison classic trucks are being retrofitted uh, for fuel, hydrogen fuel cells, and they'll be carrying uh, traffic uh, for trucking companies over a two-year period to make sure everything's all you know, working fine so that we can scale this up. The magical thing about the trucking is that given how low, in, how cheap, natural gas is in Alberta, uh, it already, going to hydrogen, will already save truckers money on the fueling side from day one. Uh, so that's a really magnificent thing. And that's the kind of approach we need because it is very difficult to ask someone to pay more uh, in order to just be green. Yeah. The idea is you save money and, oh, by the way, you're also reducing emissions. Yeah, yeah. I've had this conversation a ton of times. I mean, in particular with our uh, sponsors at Kubi Energy, right? And there was that sort of evolution where now uh, when they're, and I'm, I'm not going to turn this into a plug for solar. We want to talk about hydrogen, but the point is there was an era or there was a time where people that were installing solar panels on the roofs of their homes were doing it on principle, right? They were doing it because they wanted to contribute uh, to, to something or they were willing to invest in making a statement or going green or being the first on the block to do it. Uh, they wanted to, to sort of take a step forward. Whereas now, you can justify it way more easily on the bottom line basis, which for the majority of people, myself included, is relevant. That's right. I mean, I'll spend a little bit extra for an iPhone or I'm not sure what else I buy that's fancy. Uh, but when it comes to clothing, you know, it's like if it fits, if it looks respectable, I'll take the, I'll take the cheapest one. And that's the way most things in most parts of our life, we run things. So is there a way is there a uh, potential if, if if, you know, this this uh, opportunity is not seized or. Or if government doesn't take it seriously, or if industry is not convinced, or if the general public, the consumer, doesn't pick up on it, is there is there a, a possibility, a real possibility, that the potential of, of hydrogen just falls flat? So um, there's always a risk with these things. You you never say you know um, things can't get worse. You know, famous last words and so forth. Uh, but the news is quite positive on the hydrogen side already. So it's been about in the past year and a half. Uh, there have been 3,300 tons per day of hydrogen production announced, clean hydrogen, and this is just in Alberta. Now, 3,300 doesn't really mean much, pretty abstract, but current Alberta production of hydrogen, mainly for refining, is 6,700 tons per day. So we've seen in the past year and a half alone is that we have companies in Alberta are seeing the economics, seeing how they can make money with this, uh, and then committing themselves to producing more hydrogen more cleanly, and some of these projects are also aimed directly at exports. So again, it's that Fuji thing where you kind of shift, maybe uh, you know, in the, in the 20th century, most of the time, Alberta was exporting oil, maybe for most of the 21st century, we'll be exporting hydrogen in various forms.
Matthew, this is uh, I, I really appreciate it because I'm going to be honest, I kind of came into this conversation not really knowing much about this. And, and that's probably a big part of your work right now, too. Right. Like we mentioned, this conference is coming up. How, how important is it just getting the general public educated and in the know about this? I mean, like including job implications. Right. We take a look at unemployment numbers right now. We were talking uh, with Rachel Notley just was it yesterday? I think a couple of days ago about. Yeah, it was yesterday about about, uh, you know, the, the unemployment rate in Calgary. It's the highest of any major city in Canada. Obviously, a lot of talented and experienced energy professionals in Calgary. Um, would people be wise to look into this a little bit and see what even their own personal future on the employment side could look like? Sure. Um, so we can have my contact information or people could perhaps uh, contact you and I'd be happy to direct them yeah. to resources. I will note that both Nate and Sate in North Alberta Institute of Technology, yeah. South Alberta Institute of Technology, are members of the Canadian Hydrogen Fuel Cell Association. They and other uh, university-type groups have seen the need to make sure that we have the right skill sets in place so Canada and Alberta can prosper as much as possible, as cleanly as possible. So uh, hydrogen only got big a few years ago because government said, let's try for this net zero thing. Back in the older days when it was like, oh, let's cut 20%, 40%, you can kind of do that with renewables and batteries. Uh, once you say 100%, you kind of need that. Uh, it's like having a, a solid third pair of defensemen kind of a thing. Or, <laughs> like it. or the checking line, right? Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily, you don't you don't need it if you want to be a mediocre team, but you need all the pieces in place yeah. uh, you know, to, go, to go to the finals. Who's your cup pick? Who do you think is going to be in the Stanley Cup final? Oh, geez. Okay. I've got to say the lightning. Um, I, I do want the Oilers to be uh, facing them, though. You know, with, with uh, Stevie Y has done a, a great job, you know, building that dynasty almost. Uh, so I, I don't want to ever underestimate them. But then at the same time, it is never safe to bet against Connor Mc, McDavid, rather. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to bet against Connor. I don't want to, I don't even want to put this out into the universe, but. My prediction is that it's going to be Tampa Bay, Colorado for the cup. And I think Colorado is going to win it. I think they're going to interrupt three straight for Tampa, but I would love to see Edmonton. Uh, could be interesting to see. You've got the opportunity as well for the 04 cup rematch. You, you could you could have Calgary, Tampa, but I think the Flames are in tough. I don't think you're winning three in a row yeah, against yeah, this Oilers uh, team. Yeah, down three to one. Yeah. Tough, uh, tough hole to get out of. Yeah, sure is. Matthew, thanks for making time for us today. We really appreciate it. We endeavor to learn something new every day on this show. I can guarantee you most of us have. People can check out uh, what you're doing, you and your team at the Canadian Hydrogen and Fuel Cell Association by checking out your website, chfca.ca. It's Matthew Klippenstein. Have a great rest of your day, pal. Oh, thank you. You too, Ryan. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, you got it. Good stuff. Did you learn something new today, Johnny? I've already learned something new. Always learning. You know, I just checked my phone. I saw my phone pop up and it's it's my wife, Carrie, and she's texting me. And so we're on baby watch right now. So it's like, oh, this show could could sort of wrap real quick right now. Are you serious? Yeah, but you know what? Her, no, but, well, I am serious that she texted me. Uh, you know what her text says? Strudel. <laughs> so she's she's tuning in as well. Uh yeah, well, sort of a common theme woven through the show today. Uh, in about five minutes, we're going to check in with the soon-to-be former chief of Enoch Cree Nation. Looking forward to checking in with Chief Billy Morin. And uh, between now and then, we're going to take a look at the results of our most recent Get Real Question of the Week presented by our friends at Y Station, our official research and strategy partners. First, I was mentioning Kubi Energy and how so much has changed with regards to the financial implications or the impetus, you might call it 
to pursue solar, whether that's on your home, whether it's on your vacation property, your cabin, your cottage, maybe you're off the grid or you want to get off the grid. It might be your barn. It might be your warehouse, whatever it is. They're doing installations from big to small uh, through Alberta and BC. They've got only Tesla certified installers that are only journeymen or apprentices, which means the job is done right every time. You want to see evidence of that? Go follow them on Instagram. You'll find with Kubi Energy, they're doing the cleanest installs. I know that's big for you. You can't stand cords and cables all over the place, right? They've got the cleanest installs you ever did see. That's Kubi Energy at kubienergy.ca. Once you have your solar installed, you're going to want to head over to parkpower.ca and make sure you sign up to get your electricity, natural gas, and internet from your friendly local utilities provider. Why? Because they have this solar rebate buyback program that's going to pay you more for the extra energy that your solar panels are producing through the spring, summer, into the early fall months. Obviously not in the winter. Nobody's going to pretend like they're going to give you more than you need. But for all intents and purposes, when this thing is humming through June, July, and August, Park Power is going to pay you more for that excess energy than any of the big providers guaranteed. You can learn more about the initiative at parkpower.ca. And when you take your business over to Park Power, make sure you use the promo code 2022-REALTALK for $70 off your first bill. Our friends at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge are always keeping a keen eye on where the future of transportation is going. They've got an amazing lineup of vehicles, the best selection in the province, in part because they can share their inventory between their two dealerships. So whether you're looking for maybe the new Jeep Grand Cherokee, including the Model L, the Grand Cherokee L with the third row of seating, they've got the Wagoneer. Of course, they've got the Wranglers everybody loves, the biggest Ram lineup of pickups in the province, and more. You'll find it at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. You can link to them under the Sponsors tab on our website. Well, every week we present our Get Real Question of the Week, and we typically ask you about something serious. You know, it's something in the news. It's something that's going on. We'll ask you how you felt about reconciliation efforts or Canada's residential schools. We've asked you how you feel about safe supply. We've talked about government. We recently asked you how you thought that the Premier, Jason Kenney of Alberta, would would fare in his leadership review. And if you remember correctly, Real Talkers, the hundreds of you that responded to that question, nearly threw a bullseye in predicting the results of that. 49.96% you said. The answer was 51.4%. The smartest audience on Canada's podcast landscape. No doubt about that. Well, our most recent question, we had a little fun with it. I was going to say not as serious, but I guess it depends on your perspective. We asked you where you were at with the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. We acknowledge not everybody cares about hockey, but a whole bunch of you do. When it came to who you predict will win the Stanley Cup, almost a third of you, 29%, said you think it's going to be the Edmonton Oilers. 27% of you said, yeah, it looks to me like the Colorado Avalanche are going to win. And the Calgary Flames were a distant third with 11% of respondents picking the flaming sea to lift its second Stanley Cup. We asked what kind of fan are you? 40% of you identified as long-suffering ones. And 90% of you said, well, we're the all, or nine rather, 9% of you said, we, we just want the teams to have fun and do their best. Yay. Yeah, sports. And when it asked how you show your support, this is great. Almost half of you, 46%, said, yeah, an old lucky jersey. 8% of you said a bandwagon jersey, like one that you just bought last week. 6% of you were dressing your pets up. 
in team affiliated clothing and one percent of you one percent of respondents which is is like you know a handful more than one person with a team tattoo that one percent tattoo i met a guy once i was at this event i was hosting an event uh featuring oilers legendary goaltender hall of fame goaltender grant fuhrer and it was a pretty special opportunity for fans to come up and have a chance to meet him and get him to sign something, whatever. Yeah. This guy comes in with like a fine tip Sharpie. Like it was like a brand new, you know, because Sharpies can kind of rounded and messed up. Yeah, they get the little, the little plush on the end when yeah. you use them too yeah, much. Yeah. yeah, So this one, you could tell it was brand new. And, and, he, and uh, Grant, uh, Grant, you know, Mr. Fear <laughs> says to this guy, he goes, the guy waits in line, he waits the whole time, and then he comes up and Fear says, what do you want me to sign? And the guy starts rolling up his sleeve and I go, oh, wow. And he's got a sleeve, like his tattoo from his wrist all the way up to, to basically like past his shoulder of all Oilers goaltenders. Like, like he's got Dwayne Rollison, he's got Curtis wow. Joseph, he's got Grant Fear, and he's getting Grant Fear to sign his arm and he looks at me and he says I've got an appointment booked at the ta- with my tattoo artist in half an hour so he gets Grant Fear to sign his arm and then he rips over the to the tattoo parlor they still call them parlors do they say parlors tattoo parlor <laughs> I love that word the parlor and he gets him to tat it right on I thought now that is a serious fan um, do you, are you like a lucky jersey guy you have an old jersey that means something you've had it for 20 years type thing or not so much no I worked with the Oilers I have so many jerseys I gave away half of them I watched I you do it on the corner of the and street and I still have like 15 so yeah that was pretty funny to see do you remember me running into you when you were doing that you, yeah you, you DJ'd like your last game for the team or whatever it was and Johnny if you know Edmonton you know Rogers plays I mean you see it on all the aerial shots uh, the corner of 104th and 104th in Edmonton right by where our new studio is and uh, whoa! And a uh, little Easter egg for you there. And uh, and right at the corner of 104th and 104th, there's Johnny Infamous, <laughs> Oilers DJ. You had like six jerseys, and people were wondering what the catch is because you were just catching people on the street corner going, You want a jersey? You want yeah. a jersey? You're handing out your camo military appreciation jersey. I was trying You're to spread a little love to the fans. You don't see a lot of people. That, doing that. that was uh, right before playoffs, I think. We were trying to get into playoffs. So yeah. There was a lot of people outside of the arena, and I just, What are you going to do with 30? jerseys i mean it's just ridiculous to hoard them so i yeah. gave away like half of them and i still have half so generous guy uh i love we ask you to fill in the blanks final comments on these questions of the week when you said i live in calgary i own four car flags two are currently up and i've got one more for each round the oilers advanced to so i like that a different <laughs> another flag goes up every round add them you say i have an oilers la- uh, license plate on my car as well i'm a walking target in this town Woo. another says i i own an oilers pocket lighter uh, for when I'm out in the woods, it often flames out. I like that. Throw in a little shade. Another one of you says, uh, I just want a Canadian team to win the cup. I don't care who. Uh, and uh, this comment I liked in all caps. Uh, one of you asking for a T-shirt. <laughs> on Real Talk. So no. we thought we could accommodate. You asked for it specifically, and so we thought we could deliver. If you know you know our friends at Y Station are taking a well-deserved break this week and we will be back early next week with another question of the week uh coming up in just a second we're going to talk to the youngest chief in uh enoch cree nation history as a matter of fact is is chief warren ready to go right now johnny are we ready to rock there he is right now let's get right into this it's been a while since we've had a chance to connect uh, with chief warren you were with us the very first week we launched this show, uh, it was so good to have you there. And, and you and I have talked about a lot of things, including some of your priorities. Uh, since you were elected in 2015, at that time, 27 years of age, the youngest chief in Enoch 28, Cree Nation, 28 uh, youngest yeah. chief in Enoch Cree Nation history. And uh, 
and you went on to serve a term as the Grand Chief of, of Treaty 6. I mean, what a career to this point. You've just recently announced just a few days ago you will not be seeking re-election. So we thought it would be a great time to welcome you back and pick your brain a little bit. How have you been? What am I looking at, the camera, or am I looking directly yeah, at me? Yeah, 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 look at the camera. Yeah, you look, yeah, you, you can you can look straight into the eyes of our audience that way, <laughs> my man. So, uh, yeah, where are you coming to us from? You're, are you you're in your office right now? Yeah, I'm in the office, actually. Uh, the office is kind of dead today. Um, there's a little bit of a community event going on, so I'm here for the next 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Well, we're excited to have you here and looking forward to catching up with you. People are going to say, wow, he's not coming back. He's not seeking re-election. And they're going to expect me to to really dig here to find out what you're doing next. But what what went into the decision? It's been it's been a good stretch for you, about seven years. Yeah, seven years as chief, and two prior to that on as a, a council member. So you know, I've been in leadership since I was 26. Um, there's no, I would say one day, but uh, you know, I remember um, 2019 when I was elected, and my son, um, he was 12 back at a preteen. Now he's 15, and um, that night I, I came home and he had braids like me and uh, he was going through a little bit of, of something and uh, I won't go into too much detail about my son. I love my son, but uh, you know, he just said, dad, uh, can you try something new next? Um, and I said, yeah, yeah, I could. So uh, he actually cut his hair that night, uh, which is kind of a big deal. And uh, you know, that was kind of the start of me like really sitting down um, three years ago and saying, you know, what are, what are what are our family options going forward? You know, over the last three years, again, I would have my, I would, I, I've given it my all, but, um, you know, that one really stuck with me. And over the last, I would say, year, uh, really giving it some serious thought. And uh, officially, just as of last Friday, I would say it was that was the official day. I'm not officially nominated anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if this is inappropriate to ask you about it, but I'm, I'm curious, like with regards to your son cutting his hair, and maybe it's something I should ask him, and, and maybe you don't want to speak on his behalf. But I think culturally, obviously, most people could recognize, at least at a surface level, the significance of it. But but what did that say to you? Why was that so significant to you? Well, <laughs> he had hair his whole life, and I've, I've had long hair my whole life. I've, I've, I've trims like this much my whole life, but you know, there's kind of an expectation now in our family that, you know, son, you should have got a little bit of pressure to keep your hair. And, you know, election night when I came home in 2019 and he cut it, I just knew he was serious that he's like, dad, uh, there's some things going on. Like, you know, like he's, he's doing good, but he wanted to have a real serious talk about, you know, like what does the next three years for us look like? And what does the next 15 and 20 years look for us? And I was actually really inspired by uh, his, his ability to think long-term. So, you know, when he cut his hair, it was a big deal. Um, and uh, here we are today. I, I gave it some serious thought over the last three years, and we're gonna we're gonna take a new chapter in our life. Yeah, your great grandfather served as chief of Enoch Cree Nation. Your great great grandfather served as chief of Enoch Cree Nation. Both of them featured in a mural, pro- probably relatively close to where you are right now. Um, when when you grow up in a family that has held prominent positions of leadership, I mean, you you I won't say inherited, but but you you succeeded Grand Chief Wilton Littlechild, like one of the most legendary Indigenous leaders in the country. As Grand Chief of Treaty Six, that's that's got to go a long way in shaping your perspective. Yeah, I, you know, Willie, I do call a mentor. Um, you know, I would call him the Canadian father of uh, the Declaration for Indigenous uh, Peoples, um, one of the fathers for Truth and Reconciliation, and it is intimidating as heck to uh, fill his shoes, but. Um, he was the first one I called when they asked me to serve in his, his uh, footsteps, and uh, he hesitated. Right, didn't he? Didn't hesitate right away to just like, here's what we're going to do. Here's how I'm going to help you, and uh, 
you know, being as the chief of Enoch, I've been so fortunate to meet so many people in my time here. And uh, Willie, I would put it right at the top of that list. Hmm. You've when you uh, how many how many First Nations are represented? Treaty six is it 17 or 19? It's almost 20 of them, right? Well, I, there's, it's a little bit of a, uh, a weird number. So, you know, there's the 1617 number that I use, but um, there's a few that are, are, are former nations who are recognized by the Treaty 6 chiefs. Uh, kind of go back and forth. So you guys are Papa's chiefs and your Michelle bands in particular are ones that used to exist formally recognized by Canada, but don't anymore. So the number kind of fluctuates a little okay. bit between 16, 17, 18. But you've, you've spoken in past about how Enoch uh, Cree Nation is, is in a bit of a unique circumstance, or at least, I mean, it, it's, they're, they're, there's uh, there's some advantages. Uh, I mean, when it when it comes to d- different natural resources, when it comes to location, when it comes to economic opportunities, um, Enoch's been uh, in a bit of a unique position. Uh, but as Grand Chief, obviously, you had to broaden your perspective on what might be best for these First Nations. How did you reconcile the two there? Yeah, uh, you know, Enoch is, has always been a leader. Uh, we've taken uh, so much pride in that, and and. Um, you know, the other First Nation, like we're the first ones to get into gaming uh, for the province. Uh, we led that fight uh, roughly around the early part of the century. Um, we were some of the first ones to do some of the other businesses, uh, first ones to have tax laws in the 70s, as I understand, in the province. Uh, we're not leaders in other ways. So we rely upon other First Nations um, to help us out with language and culture retention. Um, so, you know, balancing the two, being the chief of Enoch and being the grand chief of uh, Treaty 7, you know, you look, you only got one year term too. So again, my predecessor was the only guy ever to ever get more than one year. I got one year, the next guy got one year, the previous 10 or 15 before Willie got one year, he got three. So he's a pretty special guy. So, hmm. you know, you had so much to do in one year. Um, they liked uh, the story of going from Willie. Uh, it was a nice transition since we're all pretty close. And um I told him actually my goal was to get projects done. My, my, um, I, I think about leadership and project based, like right, being pragmatic. Here's what we're going to get done. I want results at the end of my term to say we, we did something. And um, unfortunately, COVID was uh, the first year of my term as grand chief. So, you know, I had to be kind of the spokesperson in a lot of ways um, between government during that crisis. But the one thing I'm really proud of, and the chiefs backed me on this, is uh, um, Edmonton uh, under uh, Mayor Iveson and still going under the current Mayor Sohi and his council is, uh, you know, poised to do the Urban Reserve Edition. And I said, that's the one goal I want to do when I'm Grand Chief. And they signed the, um, the intent to do that uh, with the uh, Treaty 6 person. Yeah. Can you talk to us about this, about the idea of the urban reservation and, and, and why it's such a priority for you and maybe how you can see this happening, not just in the Metro Edmonton region, not just in Treaty 6 or Treaty 7, but but maybe, I mean, beyond? Yeah. Uh, so, Ron, you talked, you, you mentioned how you balance Enoch alone with um, the priorities of 1617 other First Nations. Again, Enoch is so blessed being across the streets. Um, 215th Street right behind me is Costco and Glastonbury, one of the richest neighborhoods in the city of Edmonton. And they come and spend their money here at the resorts and some of our businesses. So, you know, I, I always thought win-win with the other First Nations. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy and we're a little bit too much competition, but I think over the last, you know, five, six, seven years, we, we've shown um, unprecedented collaboration with us. And I've always said, you know, like there's this this notion out there that, well, Enoch's got location. They got all the, that benefit. We can't do that for 500 kilometers, 600 kilometers away, 300 kilometers away. And so the easy answer to that is let's, let's not think as for a competition. Let's add more reserve land so your people can do well. I mean, there's I always say there's there's a good number that I use. There's 100,000 Indigenous people, including Métis, within 100 kilometers of the city of Edmonton. 
um, we need to expand beyond just Enoch uh, having additions to reserves so those people can benefit socially, um, so they can get housing. Um, I like when Malcolm at Global Edmonton uh, kind of categorizes us as a special economic zone, so we can sell that to even globally in the region when it comes to economics uh, beyond the borders and internationally even. You've been, I mean, development and uh, economic partnerships uh, have, have been a huge part of, I think, how people might characterize your tenure as chief. If you're, if you're just tuning in live streaming on the Mixler audio app, we're talking to uh, soon-to-be former Chief Billy Morin of Enoch Cree Nation. Uh, you've talked a lot about uh, this solar farm, somewhat controversial solar farm, by the way, in Edmonton's River Valley. I want to ask you about that. You've given that the thumbs up. We've talked to people that are that are arguing and fighting against the location of that solar farm, um, but also the First Nations Capital Investment Partnerships, carbon sequestration, carbon capture. I mean, these have all been big priorities uh, for you. Um, what's the message you're trying to send to, to people across the country? You know, I, I, I was in a I was in a panel last week and um, I was in a panel with one of my youth council members uh, and it was on youth homelessness and youth poverty in the city of Edmonton. And she said a line to me, she said, she said a line that I use quite often and it's, it's kind of cheesy, but it, it's for whatever reason stuck and that's get shit done. You know, every project is controversial. I don't, and especially in today's world with populism and whatever have you left, right, center, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I just love seeing things get built. So, you know, you know, whether it's TMX, whether it's a solar farm in the river valley, whether it's a solar farm by the airport, whether it's um, hydrogen and clean energy. Um, I'm going to be a part of those projects that, you know, check, check a number of the boxes, the majority of the boxes. That is a good project. And I'm going to do what I have to to get uh, things done. And inherently with First Nations, whether you're in any sector, tourism, whether you're in healthcare, whether you're in industry, um, any sector, you're you're you know, in today's equitable world uh, era of rec reconciliation, um, it's just good business to do partnerships with First Nations. I was speaking at the F2 conference yesterday, and uh, that was my message to them, too, is don't wait to talk to us. And you're going to realize that we can raise capital and leverage even equitable funding and legislation to get your project that much headed further, whether it's small or big. When you talk about, uh, you know, indigenous communities, First Nations and pipeline expansion or, or whether you want to talk about solar farm development or whatever, oftentimes when you, when you take a look at the, the reporting on it or the public commentary on it or the public's perception around it, uh, Northern Gateway would be a great example. Um, I think people sort of dumb down the reality and fail to sort of dig, I think, for parallel stories or other important angles. And the general consensus is, and I don't mean this to be offensive, but like the point I'm trying to make is that not every First Nation has the same reality, the same priorities, the same history, the same traditions, There's like, you know, but but the, the idea is sort of like, oh, you know, First Nations or Indigenous consultation is what killed Northern Gateway. I mean, and then you have a, a leader like you, a prominent uh, First Nations leader in Western Canada talking about supporting pipelines and talking about investing in this type of infrastructure. Has it earned you the, the consternation or has it created some problems with you and other First Nations leaders? I mean, how has that landed with other communities, in particular on the West Coast? Well, I would say, you know, there's there's a line that I love that um, one of my council members is actually leaving too. Um, she, she, she sits on the, um, uh, the advisory board for... Um, TMX, it's the uh, the Environmental and Land Monitoring Board uh, for the project, and it's separate from the actual construction and the, the organization that runs it now in Canada. Uh, it's an arm's length organization that just you know you have to uh, you have to take care of the environment. And this was a quote that I really have trouble uh, rectifying. So there was a, a she went to a meeting on the West Coast, and they said, you know, 
we're here on the West Coast, we're Indigenous peoples, and we just don't want what happened to your buffalo to happen to our salmon, hmm. like 100 years later. And I'm still like trying to rectify that in my mind. Um, I still think there's a, a balance to be had there. So, you know, me personally, um, I walk into any um, any room, whether it's uh, nations on the West Coast or here in Alberta, thinking win-win. And sometimes projects go, sometimes they don't. Um, I think I have a general respect uh, amongst First Nations leaders thinking that way. But, you know, I do <laughs> receive a lot of backlash on social media from grassroots, I would say, for lack of a better word, um, Indigenous people who are so passionate about the environment. And that's fair, too, if they, if they feel that passionate and uh, about the environment and they feel they have to hold me accountable. That's that's a part of being in leadership as well. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're no stranger to criticism. I mean, to, to keep it real, Chief, you're getting some criticism in our live chat right now. I just saw it. People are I don't know if you do officially or on the record support conservative leadership candidate Pierre Polyev, but but some people are kind of calling you to the carpet for that. Do you? And if so, what is it about him? Some people might might find that to be a, a strange scenario. What is it about him that you like if, if in fact you do? Well, absolutely, I do. I mean, I, he was in Enoch uh, roughly a month ago, and I think um, I was the one that introduced him and basically endorsed him. Not basically, I did endorse him. Hmm. So, yeah, that was probably the most backlash I've received in a long time. And uh, it's, you know, what, what I would say is, again, it's totally fair to have your personal opinions on, you know, whether you stand with liberals, NDP, um, conservatives, Green Party, uh, Alberta Party, whatever have you. Um and it is fair to, again, question whether other people have uh, why they why they stand where they stand. When it comes to uh, Pierre, um, I guess I would say uh, inherently, I believe in a lot of conservative um, base values in terms of running my nation. There's there's a formula that I've seen across Canada that has worked to bring First Nations out of poverty and to grow them as societies. Um, again, get accused of selling out a lot, but um, I think the results speak for themselves. You know, I look up to chiefs like Darcy Bear, um, uh, Member Two First Nation, West Bank, and these are all nations who Ozoyus, Clarence Louis is a personal friend of mine. And these are all First Nations, and there's multiple others. Those are some of the more prominent ones. These are ones who used free enterprise. These are ones who used um, the economy, less chief and council, less old school politics, less socialism. I mean, there's a meme that I like, and again, it's not black and white, but if you want to see failed socialism, go to a First Nation and you'll see failed socialism. And that's the Indian Act systematically trying to take us down under that system. But I've seen these First Nations use the economy, use business because it's a universal language to bring their people out of poverty, to build homes, to not rely upon government. And I would simply say this, like when it comes to um, uh, Mr. Polyev, um, he would be the only one that came to me and actually wanted to hear me on policy development. You know, I've tried to get in touch with the Trudeau government, uh, the prime minister. And again, the prime minister is a busy guy. It's not like he's just going to make time for Billy. But in seven years, I would have appreciated one meeting. And, uh, you know, I, I right now, that's where I stand on that at that point. Uh, people, you, you will have, obviously, I don't know if you've signed up for something yet. And, and if you have, I'd love if you would drop the exclusive right here on Real Talk. But you will have uh, so many opportunities, obviously, moving forward. You've got a ton of experience in business, a ton of experience in relationship building, and obviously in, in elected leadership as well. Um, some have speculated that you'll be seeking uh, a UCP nomination for the next provincial election. Others have looked to potentially a future in federal politics. Uh, have you decided on something? And what are you considering? <laughs> yeah, 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 I knew you're going to ask that question today, obviously. So I've decided on unemployment. And uh, sorry, Ryan, you won't get the exclusive uh, uh, answer from me today. But uh, I'll tell you what, um, 
when I'm ready, probably within a month uh, or, or, or so, and you know, maybe there's some news coming out of me uh, that's a little bit more specific, we can have a follow-up conversation on that. I will say that um, public service and politics are in my blood. Uh, I get a little annoyed with my council sometimes, and I get it. They, you know, like they always say, like we're not politicians, we're leaders. I'm like bullshit. Like, like inherently, we're all politicians uh, in a democratically elected system. So, I do, I, I do love politics. I, I really do. You know, um, Jordan Turco, my advisor. You know, I don't, I don't know if it was Barack Obama, but I, I love football too. And I'm five foot six. And I have no athletic ability, but I like the analogy of uh, football. You go back and forth. You get some hail marys. You make a first down. Somebody's always pushing against you. And uh, I just came to love public service in this way. So, you know, I don't think I'm completely out the door at all, but uh, I'm still weighing my options on specifics. Hmm. You know, we're coming up on uh, about it's been approximately a year since, uh, you know, indigenous people in Canada already knew this. They've been talking about it. Hundreds of them had testified about it in front of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. But but millions of Canadians were forced to uh, remember and recognize that thousands of indigenous children died in care in residential schools and uh, were buried unceremoniously and in many cases uh, in unmarked graves. Uh, it, it's hit home uh, in many communities, including on the sites of former residential schools in obviously British Columbia and Saskatchewan and many here in Alberta, uh, including recent, and I don't want to use the word discoveries, but recent reminders. Um, how did the last year and subsequent conversations about reconciliation and then the first ever, uh, I mean, the, the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, et cetera, how, when you look back on that in your term in elected leadership, um, how did that influence your experience and your perspective moving forward? Uh, I think we're probably trying to be too politically correct. And uh, again, I apologize I, 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 to people who take this the wrong way, but it, it, it impacted me in a positive way. Um, just yesterday, I was driving by our power grounds and it was uh, our members. Um, I didn't have time to stop, unfortunately, but it was our members and a local bike um, motorcycle, um, not gang, but, uh, you know, a, a group of riders, uh, not unlike, you know, the ride for dad that they get together and ride. And they were marking the one year anniversary. It wasn't a chief and council initiative. It wasn't a um, Billy Morin initiative. It wasn't a management position from one of our public services. It was just people coming together, acknowledging it. And uh, they didn't ask for permission. They just did it. And these were local biker, uh, a local biker group. There was about 30 of them pulling into our power grounds, having a fire, having a chat with some of our families. And I think that's the positivity that I really um, get stuck on in a good way is, you know, over the last year, it's opened up a conversation um, that was always there, but is, is now still evolving in a good way, I think. So, you know, this whole last week I was on, uh, I was with Mayor Iveson, former Mayor Don, uh, who I'm enjoying that, well, he's not unemployed, but recovering politician soon to be. And uh, it was his first interaction with public in a public speaking thing. And we were speaking on a panel and you know, they were talking about the way forward with sustainability, um, corporate social responsibility. And, you know, the the younger people, the new, it's not millennials, it's, I'm a millennial, but it's the new generation who are like, we demand of CEOs, whether you're in politics or not, an opinion on social issues. Hmm. And, um, you know, that's just good for your business. It's just good for your, your, your marketing, um, whether you're in that sector or you have an opinion or not, whether you have an opinion on um, gun violence in Texas, or you, you should, if you're a successful company, you need to have an opinion on that. So when it comes to residential schools and the children that were found, um, it's created a space for just people to understand each other better. And I, I think that's a good thing. 
Well, we've got Chris uh, here as we wrap, uh, checking in on our official Real Talk Twitter account. He says, my prediction is that Chief Morin will announce he's running for the UCP nomination as the candidate for Drayton Valley Devon. So he's getting specific. He's got his riding picked out where he thinks you're well, that going. Is, that is where Enoch is. Yeah, so we'll we'll uh, and I, I think that's Mark Smith's writing right now. Um, yeah, it is. Mark's so, a great guy. Well, you 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 and I can don't have to see eye to eye on everything, Chief. <laughs> um, but I appreciate you taking the questions. I always appreciate your availability. I consider you a friend, and uh, and thanks for doing the show. We'll talk to you again, I guess, in about a month. Well, I do have a couple parting um, things. Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got right. time. We got lots of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, your message yesterday was the Julie Roar. So I just purchased four spots. So, you know, happy to support that. Um, and uh, I actually am a little ashamed of myself. I didn't know the story. I, I think I read I think I read the the name in the news maybe um, when Don um, showed it uh, the week there to Julie, Julie Roar week. But uh, I'm wearing the, the, the cross cancer pin. Yeah. Um, yeah. I sit on the board of Alberta Cancer Foundation, and uh, again, just the number that blows me away is one in two Albertans will experience cancer in their life. Like, like that's we've got four million plus people in this province. Two million plus are going to experience cancer. So, good on you uh, for taking that uh, initiative with Julie's name, and uh, I just hope people also take uh, a read on the cross cancer um, drive to put about thirty million dollars into cross cancer center, which is. It's weird wearing this pin. It's actually really cool. I went to McDonald's yesterday. I was just in the Starbucks line today and you wear this pin and people just want to talk about their experience. So uh, one in two Albertans experienced cancer. And I just thank you for raising awareness. Well, it means so much to me that you did that. I didn't obviously know that you were going to bring that up, Chief. And and, uh, I'm excited to know that we'll see you and your group out at the Real Talk Golf Classic coming up on Thursday, June 23rd at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. That board, that's got a border uh, Enoch First Nation, right? Yeah, uh, we're actually that's actually former Enoch Creation Lands. Oh, it is. 1902, and the federal government, as of last week, sent me a letter saying we're going to negotiate with you um, to settle that land claim uh, north of Edmonton, where the ranch is. Wow. And, uh, we fully expect no less than five hundred million dollars, maybe up to a billion, like Sixica, for compensation. But unfortunately, I won't be chief leading that cause. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, well, hey, listen, that means a lot, and 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 the legacy of Julian to have you supporting that and. And you're right. It's uh, like when it hits close to home, right? Julie was a, a, an amazing friend of this show. She was the founding member of our editorial board. Um, fought, you know, she lived six years longer than doctors said she would, uh, which is just remarkable. And her spirit, um, I feel it. I feel it all the time. And uh, well, that means that means a lot. And the last one I'll say is uh, I don't think he, he I know he's listening. And that's uh, my political advisor. He's, he's, he's going through some stuff right now. And that's Jordan Turco, Turco and Associates. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm happy to just to support any cause at this way. And he's going through a cancer. He doesn't say battle. He's just going through an experience. And yeah. uh, he's doing pretty good. Uh, well, we send him all of our best, uh, Chief. And and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, that's uh, Chief Billy Moore and Enoch Cree Nation. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Ryan. See you soon. Yeah, you bet. Wow, that means a lot. I'm glad he's going to be at the golf tournament. I wonder how his golf game is. We'll see. We're going <laughs> to find out. Yeah. That's crazy that the, the, the settlement there that they're getting too. that it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And and for the in, like he said for the incoming chief, you take a look at a 
at a cash infusion a like that. And it's like, how do you reinvest that into the people, yeah. community, right? Or, 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 you know, invest that into, you know, there, there's been these, uh, I mentioned the First Nations Capital Investment Partnership, and it's worth you looking into. Just Google it. Uh, it's There's been some really interesting projects going on that have encouraged um, and uh, sort of initiated uh, or, or paved the way for like First Nations to have meaningful investments mm-hmm. in infrastructure projects and with, you know, continued returns back to the First Nations and, of course, some employment opportunities as well. And there's a lot of this stuff going on. And, you know, shows like this need to do a better job across the country of taking a look at First Nations that have invested in fisheries, that have invested in a ton of different things. Um, you know, and, and I appreciate his insights into what the next generation of indigenous youth and indigenous leaders, for that matter, are looking for, and what they expect from their leaders. Yeah. And I really agree with them that, like, y- you can't be silent if you're a politician on or, or a CEO, rather, like he said, on social issues. Like, I love how he said, like, the youth of today demand to know your stance on certain things, whereas before you could just kind of say, no comment, no comment. It's great. It's great yeah. that everything's out in the open these days. Yeah. But that's crazy that the, the next guy coming in or, or girl or whoever uh, will uh, have all that infusion yeah. of, of money to... Yeah, uh, this is interesting. Colette chiming in says, in what universe does anybody think a conservative government would be good at reconciliation or anything good for First Nations? Uh, Colette, I, I, you know, I appreciate the question is because it it essentially reiterates what Canadians expect right now from political leaders and they want to see meaningful action. So with the prime minister, you've got, you know, when you're running for re-election, if Trudeau does, that's not a guarantee either. We're not, you know, it's a little early to be talking about a federal election because they've got the partnership with Jagmeet Singh and the federal NDP. So, so they don't have to call an election until 2025, at which point the prime minister may say, I'm done. I'm good. I've, I've had, think he's tired. I've had my time. He'd probably be exhausted. Like, right. I mean, this, it's a high stress job. There's a lot involved. It would be, it'd be pretty cool too. Let's not, I mean, it'd be pretty sweet to be a, you know, a G8 leader, like a leader of a, you know, I mean, but also but the this huge sacrifice, this long the scrutiny, the, the security threats, the time away from your family, all that kind of stuff. And plus, you know, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of opportunities that would await some pretty sweet opportunities. You know, when, when you serve your Angela Merkel or Barack Obama or Stephen Harper, whatever, there's gonna be a lot of opportunities here. Him and uh, Barack, start but, uh, a podcast. Yeah, start a podcast. <laughs> Come on our podcast. But I like that from Colette because it's a reminder. Colette, so so whether it's Pierre Polyev or whether it's Josh Ray or someone else, uh, you're going to have to say Patrick Brown. I don't know. Dr. Lesson Lewis, I think less likely. I'm, I'm going down my list of who I think is going to win. I think Pierre Polyev is going to win this thing, I think, with a landslide. But we'll see. Weighted votes, Eastern Canada. You know the thing. We've talked a lot about the conservative leadership race, and we'll circle back on that in shows to come. But Colette's right. People are going to ask those questions. And it's one thing to campaign for the leadership of the party. And it's an entirely different thing to win a general election. And when it comes to winning general elections, Canadians will want to know what does your plan look like for reconciliation? What does your plan look like? Although I will say this, and and it's a bit of a gut punch thing to bring up, uh, kind of sucks as a matter of fact. But um, during the last federal election, you talk to people and you'd poll people and you'd see the numbers on what people care about. What are their top priorities when it comes to what they're looking for in the federal election. And in the most recent one, it was Canada's economic recovery and Canada's COVID response. And so-called indigenous issues were deep down the list. 
And this was amid a national conversation on reconciliation. And I know that was a big gut punch. I felt it. Um, I was a little surprised by it. And uh, and I know that this audience felt it as well, because I remember what our inbox looked like at that time Mm -hmm. to talk at RyanJesperson.com. So, Colette, I appreciate the comment. You can be in touch with us anytime. Our email inbox, obviously, easy to find. Talk at RyanJesperson.com. You can go to the contact link on our website as well. And don't forget, tomorrow, we'll be reading some of your emails as part of Trash Talk. I got one yesterday that's absolutely amazing. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to read it to you tomorrow. But it's absolutely fantastic. And and I was like, I was like, preach, girl. I was reading this email and I'm like, you are speaking for me. So I'll be delivering that one with a little extra enthusiasm. Of course, Trash Talk is presented by our friends at Local Environmental. If you go to their website right now, you can check out uh, at localenvironmental.ca how they're bringing great service into the communities that they serve. It's not just garbage to them. It's more than just a job. They're about relationships. And oftentimes that starts with earning your business. You know, a lot of you business owners may be involved right now in a garbage or recycling management relationship where they're working for themselves, not for you. They're selling you maybe more than you need, or maybe the, the, the service delivery, the checks, you know, the I mean, just the whole experience is not what you'd expect. Local Environmental Services does it differently in Alberta and Saskatchewan. You can check them out today at localenvironmental.ca. Our friends at Infinity Healthcare want to remind you that they are in the business of premier care and community-based services. They build relationships, not just with the person requiring care, that extra home care service, but with the families as well. So everybody can feel confident about the home care your loved one is receiving. Now they do all kinds of different things. It may be a quick touchdown, a quick check-in with a loved one. Perhaps it's a senior that's aging in place. Perhaps it's someone with mobility issues or, or other disabilities that wants to stay home. It might be more involved. You gotta make sure that dad's taking his meds or you gotta make sure that grandma's eating the meals that are being provided. Maybe she's you know, experiencing dementia. Maybe it's something where you want to have the confidence that someone's checking in, somebody who cares. If you're looking for this exact thing, we recommend Infinity Healthcare at infinity-8.ca. And I love wrapping the day with talking about blizzards. In our neck of the woods, it's going to be a beautiful day today. It's going to be sunny. The sky is going to be clear. Tis blizzard season, including the Oreo dirt pie blizzard, the cotton candy blizzard, the drumstick blizzard. You got the Reese's Pieces blizzards and then the classics, the score, the Smarties, and the rest of them. You can find them all at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And again, don't forget, I'm going to start pumping our sponsors' tires with regards to the Golf Classic on June 23rd. Sign up at RyanJesperson.com under events. As mentioned, Dilly Bar Shooters from the teams at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. I don't even know what goes into a Dilly Bar Shooter. Unimaginable. I'm going to be honest with Do you. You just last let night. it melt, and then that's three shots, and let's yeah, go. I don't know, but I think there's 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 a booze element to it as well. It's not just melted Dilly Bars, which would be pretty easy to pull off, but maybe not as inspirational as you might hope. This inspirational it, it's going to be life-changing my I guess is there's it. maybe some bailey <laughs> baileys or creme de cacao in because they've got it you've got to sort of try to match the dilly bar flavor i did something preposterous last night I, I, I sort of knew i would earn a gasp from you i dillied last night <laughs> you double dilled i did not double dilly and as i and as <gasps> i and i and, and i was actually pretty proud of myself i knew that my personal trainer graham duty graham would find out that i dillied at about 11 30 at night and he'd probably go yeah you know but but he'll i knew the follow-up would be did you double dilly and if you didn't he'd be like okay well, he'd be that's... like well that's better <laughs> and so but i knew that i would i would earn you know sort of a frown from you 
So I, uh, I just feel like the dilly. Could we enhance it? Could we make it bigger so it's like two dillies worth? Okay, I see what you're doing here. It's like the whole supersize me idea where yeah. you're like, I only had one large fries, but it's you know, <laughs> the friends at Dairy Queen are like, you might not talking about supersizing, dude. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, coming up on tomorrow's show, we got a lot of ground to cover, um, and that includes item in the news and and then bigger picture stuff as well. Making her debut tomorrow, a real talker whose emails are so damn good. I said, I'm not reading them anymore, Jillian. We're just going to put you in the spotlight and you can just tell us what you think firsthand. And so she's going to. Jillian's making her real talk debut. Plus, Sapria Duvetti in her regular Friday spot, kicking us off with her hot takes on national news and more. We'll see you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, technical producer John Hicks, managing director Josh Dunford, account coordinator Lawrence Sterlego, general manager Katie Cook-Chivers, website design Mike Johnston, voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.